Hey, if you'd like to take out your Bible, that would be good. <clears throat> We're going to be going through some passages, so I'll let you look them up. I don't have anything on the screen, as you can uh, tell, so they're going to put that up. Uh, we've been talking about walking wisely, and I just want to challenge you. The way to walk wisely is walk in obedience to God's word. You don't take anything else from this message. If you want to walk in wisdom, you want to walk in obedience to God's word. Um, that's really the smartest thing you could do. I was going to read through Proverbs 1, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. Although, here's what I would challenge you to do. Read Proverbs 1. Man, oh, it's going to be hard for me not to talk about it. But anyway, read Proverbs 1, okay? Um, here's what Jesus had to say about wisdom and obedience. You guys know this. Turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. So Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Do you want to be wise? Hear God's word and do it. Like, you want to be wise? Hear God's word and do it. Man, you, you can do this. The Sadducees, I was reading the other day, the Sadducees had come up to Jesus and said, asked him this question about remarriage, and, and it was this long, complicated thing. And Jesus said... You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. That really struck me. You know how people say there's not, not a stupid question? That was a stupid question. If they had known the scriptures, they wouldn't even have had to ask the question. Here's the deal. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Guys, we don't need to live like that. We have the word of God. You don't have to be in error. Get the Bible out. Open it up. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Let it drive your life. Obey it. And like Dave said, we have the Holy Spirit within us to empower us to do what God has called us to do. You guys, you don't have to be in error. You don't have to have a misunderstanding of how powerful God is. So just read Psalm, or Proverbs 1. Wisdom is not silent. That's what he starts off in Proverbs 1. Wisdom is not silent. You guys, it's like we have no excuse. Wisdom isn't hiding. It's written all over the scripture. It's written in creation. It's written in nature. It's written in your heart, really. You have a conscience. You know. Man, wisdom is there. Seek it, find it, and do it. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this time that we can uh, share together. And we're grateful for your word. God, we're grateful for um, 
the opportunity we have to obey your scriptures, we pray that we would do that. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, the first thing I'd encourage you to obey, if you don't know, is obey the gospel, right? If you're here and you don't know, 100% sure that if you die tonight and you're going to go to heaven, man, you can know that. Here's the first thing you could obey is the gospel. We're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we're all destined to die and go to hell. But Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took the wrath of God that you deserved. He died in your place so that if you repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then he will forgive your sin and give you his righteousness. This is the wisest thing you could ever do. And if you haven't done that yet, I would challenge you start right there. Obey the gospel. Surrender to Jesus Christ today. Okay, so this is our passage in um, Ephesians 6. So I just want to read uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. And it starts with children, obey. There's that word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is a first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the earth, in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters. There it is again. With fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bond servant or is free. <clears throat> Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with God. Okay, so this is about children, parents, employees, employers. But you know what? The bigger picture is just about obedience. That's what it's about. It's about obedience. So why is it wise to walk in obedience? Okay, it's the right thing to do. Okay, that takes no explanation. It's the right thing to do, period. You know, we have a culture where we are never going to do something unless someone gives us a, a reason to do it. You know what? You don't need a reason to obey God. It's the right thing to do. So if you got some questions, you can have your questions, but that should not stop you from being obedient. It's the right thing to do. Did your parents tell you that? Why do we have to do that? Because it's right. And you hated that. Did you hate that? You probably still hate it. And you're probably telling your kids that. Why do I have to do that? Because it's right. Duh, okay, it's right. That's it. That's what, God's, that's what God's word said. It is the right thing to do. Stop thinking about it. Stop arguing about it. Stop trying to find a reason for heaven's sake. It's a right thing to do. That's what the scripture says. It's a right thing to do. Do it. No discussion. Now, you can have questions, I'm sure. The Lord won't mind you asking questions. I think he likes the dialogue. But here's the deal. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Okay. Obedience will be rewarded. Here's another reason to do it, right? Because you get a promise. Wow. You can even get rewarded for doing the right thing. You know what? We forgot about that in this culture. You can really be rewarded for doing the right thing. The problem is... We usually don't like the reward. Like, we want something else. We want what we want. Maybe that's, that, that's not the reward. I, I was uh, just thinking, I heard this the other day. 
This, they're saying, we want heaven, but we don't want God. Don't we all want heaven? Yeah, we all want to go to heaven. But do we really want God telling us what to do and telling us how to live? Maybe not. But we sure want heaven. We want his blessings, but we may not want him. You know how I think he rewards us? The first reward he gives us for obedience is himself. Some of us don't want him. We just want his blessings. You guys, that's foolish to want his blessings and his reward without him. You should want him. That's the reward. That's the reward. I was thinking of um, Philippians 3, 8 through 10. Paul got saved. And here's what he started to think. Listen to this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because it's surpassing worth the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you know knowing Jesus is, be, is a surpassing worth? It's like the greatest thing you could possess is a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's a reward. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And what? Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Do you know what's a re this great reward? is that you could have the righteousness of Jesus. Can you believe that? That God will look at you and see Jesus' righteousness in you? There would be no condemnation ever for you? He's done for you what you could never do for yourself? Goodness, that's the reward. That is the reward. But that which is found in, um, in him, not having his own for love, but that which is found in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know him. Do you want to know him? Is, is that really your passion? I want to know him. That's the reward. I want to know him. Know him. Listen to this. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you do. We all do. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. Man, maybe we don't want that one, but how greater do you get to know somebody than when you suffer with them? Think of the people you're close to. You've suffered with them, and you love them, and you know them. I want to know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Guys, is that the reward you want? That's a reward for obedience, to know him better, to know him like this, like that. So... um. <clears throat> Obedience is right, and we should and we'll be rewarded. So that's why we should obey. So I just challenge you to, to obedience. So then Paul says, "So, children, obey your parents. Wise children obey their parents." And then I was thinking, wise Christians obey their father as well. You know what? We're all children of a father. Every one of us sitting in here is a child to the Father, if we know Christ. And here's what wise children do. They obey. Don't ever forget this as a parent, that you are a child yourself. So as you parent, just remember, you're a child under the authority of a parent. Um, we should think this all the time. The kindness of God leads you to repentance, Romans 2.4. Do you think of that when you parent? 
The kindness of God leads you to repentance. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Do you think about that when you're a parent? Is that your thought? He disciplines us for our good. Do you think about that as you parent? Is that your purpose? Man, we're all children of a father. Does that affect? That should affect the way you parent. That should affect the way you parent. You have a father in heaven. Get to know him. That's why we need to know him. <clears throat> children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Why is it wise for children to obey? Do you know the best sacrifice you can give to God is your obedience? The best sacrifice, you know what the best way to love your parents is? To obey them. Yeah, and you want to love your parents? Obey them. You want to love your father in heaven? Obey them. 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. Psalm 51, 16, 17, you do not delight in sacrifices. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Man, I've read the Old Testament enough to know that I don't like to read the Old Testament. <laughs> because there's so many sacrifices, I don't understand them all. It's all the whole thing. So he gets all this stuff, he pours it on the people, and then he says, you know what, it doesn't matter, because what's really better than all these sacrifices is obedience. I'm like, are you kidding? I can imagine some of those people meticulously making the sacrifices, and then God coming to him and saying, you know what, that, I don't even want that crap. Because if you're not going to obey me, don't give it to me. It's worthless. But all that focus, and then he said obedience is better. You guys, obedience pleases God. Children, obey your parents. Parents, obey your Father in heaven. Obey your Father in heaven. <clears throat> Micah 6, 68. Love this passage. Hopefully a lot of you guys know this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Like That's like, no. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly? to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Because the greatest sacrifice you can give to God is your life. I offer my body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Romans 12, 1, right? That's the sacrifice he's looking for. Obedience, children, obey. Because really, obedience is its own reward. It, re it leads to a fulfilled and... Um, a blessed and fulfilling life. The writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 8, verses 32 through 36. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessing comes to those who obey. Listen to my instruction, be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life. They find life and find favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Like, we know that. Like, that, we know that. When you choose to disobey, you're putting yourself in danger. Like, we all know that. 
And so God has given us wisdom. He's given us truth so that we can obey. Obedience is a pathway to wisdom. Okay, we know this too, right? Obedience is a pathway to wisdom. If you do things right, you eventually learn how to do them really well. If you do good and on the small things, it leads to understanding of the big things. Uh, Psalm 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Guys, obedience leads to wisdom. Man, just obey. Just listen and do and be wise. Um, and then this thing that children are to honor their parents. I just really challenge um, kids, you could just do this. Just honor your parents. Parents are not perfect. And parents are messed up. <laughs> we apologize to all the children. I think Lynn and I have apologized to our children for being stupid. Okay, we're sorry, but we will, we'll admit it. But here, you know, honor your parents. Honor them. This is where you learn. The home is where you learn what it means to obey and what it means to honor. And you know, that is going to get you a long ways in life. But that's where it's learned. That's where it's learned. That's the beginning of this process of understanding. And so Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And this is just one thing I believe. I believe that most children get their first ideas about God from their father. I think kids, when they think about God for the first time, they think about their dads. What is God like? Probably like my dad. Well, I mean, they don't know. But you, to them, are the one they love the most. You're the one that has the wisdom. And I really think they, they get this first idea about God from how they, and for some, you know, that's, wow. You guys, that's a privilege. That's a privilege to be the first impression about God to your children. But that's a high responsibility. It's just going to happen. Sometimes I remember when I got to college, I thought, do I see God like I do because of my dad? Or do I see God like I do because of the scriptures? I mean, I had to really think about that. But that's how impactful my dad was to me. Like, I just thought God was like my dad. And I'm like, I better just make sure that <laughs> he was a great dad, but I knew he couldn't be perfect. But still that was in my head. This is, this is what I think about God. Is it because of my dad? Or is it really truly because of the scriptures? But what, what a great privilege. <clears throat> it was interesting when Lynn and I started, oh, a long time ago, we opened up the gym at Old Downing Avenue Gospel Chapel, and we just had kids in, kids in, a lot of kids that were just in the neighborhood, and then from the other side of town, and then all over town. And I remember just sharing with them, God is your father. And some of those kids would look at me like, questioning. And some people would say, some of the kids would look at me and say, dang, that's not a very good God. It's what they would think because their dad, no way they didn't think of God as a father. They didn't want to because their dad wasn't the dad that they, didn't, they resented their dad. 
Their dad was absent. Their dad was cruel. They, I had, I remembered that was hard. I just had to stop saying that because it didn't really portray God as who he really was because their whole thing was with their dad. So I just, I, this, I met the other day with some high school kids from Cedar Falls High School and we were talking about leadership. And this is one of my favorite quotes on leadership. And I, and, I, and I think it applies to fatherhood. The authority by which the Christian leader or the Christian father leads is not power but love, not force but example, not coercion but reason persuasion. Leaders have power, but power is safe only in the hands of those who humble themselves to serve. That was John Stott. And I shared that with those kids yesterday. I said, that's what leaders are. Man, that's what fathers are. That's what fathers are. Fathers, you're called to serve. Well, we know this, right? Jesus washed the disciples' feet, right? He washed the disciples' feet. Like, he's the boss. He's in charge. He's a leader. I mean, the disciples were freaked out by it. Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. You're the boss. You don't wash people's feet. Are you kidding me? Then when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so I am. So if I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example so that you may also do just as I did for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. The interesting thing about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, Jesus felt like crap that day. He knew he was going to die. Matter of fact, he knew he was going to be crushed for our sin. He, he knew, and he didn't think of himself. He didn't go, oh, woe is me, I'm feeling bad. I better go out and I better go take a nap. I better, I don't know. He said, no, well, you know, I'm feeling really bad and I only had a little time to be with my boys. I'm going to serve them. Man, come on, dads. You only got a little time to be with your kids. What are you wasting your time feeling sorry for yourself? Yeah, life is rough. Yeah, life is hard. Yeah, we love kids when it doesn't feel good. Man, he's, he's loving his guys and he's not feeling good. Not feeling good's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. The welcome to life. You know? Fathers are called to be spirit-filled. I love this passage in Acts 6. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Man, waiting tables? Are you kidding me? We need spirit-filled men to wait tables. Man, you better be spirit-filled in your home to serve your kids. To raise up your kid. You need to be spirit filled. Just like it's waiting tables. Spirit filled. We need spirit filled men in the home. Man, you got to be a spirit filled man who's ready to serve. That is a man that God is looking for. <clears throat> um, so fathers. Um, I would just encourage you, make obedience the expectation in your family. 
and just make obedience to the expectation, right? The world doesn't even expect that. I mean, we, this is what we say in the world. Oh, you know, that's kids. Kids will be kids. That doesn't have to be your expectation. Make the expectation obedience. I mean, it's amazing. I talked to people about our first meeting, and I just talked to this guy the other day. You should come, first meeting. Oh, no, my, my kid would never sit still. Kidding me? Just come and look. Kids can sit still. <laughs> sit still for an hour. Yeah, they can do that. Make it your expectation. This is my expectation that you will obey. Now, you don't have to do that cruelly, right? Because here's the deal. You know this. Obedience is difficult. How many of you struggle with being obedient? Yes, we all do. Obedience is difficult. So here's the deal. Don't make it more difficult for your kids. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but don't make obedience more difficult for your kids. I don't know. Are you unreasonable? That makes obedience more difficult. Are you harsh? That makes obedience more difficult. Are you angry? That makes obedience more difficult. I mean, what? don't make it more difficult than it already is. Man, obedience isn't easy. You're the dad. You're the father. Help him learn it. Help him learn it. This is not easy. It's not even easy for you. And you have the greatest father in heaven. And you're struggling. Man, your kid's going to be struggling. Just for, yeah, it's just, but make an expectation and then help them. Because they're going to struggle. Um, children are commanded to honor you as father. Have you ever thought about this? Like, what if you're a crappy father and your kid struggles? Should I honor my dad? What are you doing, encouraging them to be disobedient? Don't encourage your kids to have to be disobedient because they can't honor you because of how you're treating them. Be honorable. Be an honorable father. Be one that's worthy of honor. You know, kids ought to honor you anyway because you're their dad, right? Because you're their parents. So kids, you should honor your parents because you're your parents. But that's not to say, okay, you're my kid, you got to honor me because I'm the parent. No. I mean, you could say that, I guess, and they should honor you. But why are you making it hard for them? And why would you be somebody that they can't honor and then cause them to be disobedient to God because they just can't do it? Man, don't do that to your kids. Don't do that to your kids. So, and then how, why do they honor you? Do they honor you out of respect and love or do they honor you out of just fear? Like they're just scared of you. I don't know. I think they should honor you out of reverence and respect. I think that's what God wants us to do. I think that's what, how he wants you, how he wants your kids to respond to you. So, um, so he says, don't provoke them to anger, don't rouse their wrath or provoke them or exasperate them. I, I just always think of um, Proverbs 22, 6, train of a child in the way you should go, according to his character and natural inclination and capacity. Really believe that's what it means, according to who they are. Like poor Jacob and Esau, like this was a messed up family. Because Jacob and Esau weren't the same. I bet you got kids in your family that aren't the same. Like you may have a Jacob who likes to hang around in the house, and then you got Esau that likes to hunt. Well, you know, Dad loved Esau. He loves to hunt. Let's go hunt. I don't even know if he ever took time to get to know Jacob. I wonder if he spent time with Jacob. I don't know. Probably not, because they seem to have serious favorites. I mean, you can't do that to your kids. Get to know your kids. Get to know your kids. Get to know every one of your kids. Like, you're probably going to be closer to one of your kids than the others just because you enjoy doing the same things. 
you know, or you have the same personality. Again, that's not an excuse to not parent every one of your child, children. It's not an excuse not to know every one of your children. No, you got to get to know them. You have to take time to get to know them so you can help them be all that God created them to be. Just how he made them. Get to know your kids. Spend time with them. Talk to them. You know, I just thought of just four things. You know, give them clear expectations, correct them, and discipline them. Like, it doesn't mean you just got to love them and let them do whatever they want. Man, clear expectations, correction, discipline. That's a part of being a dad. Be consistent. Like, let them know. They they should know what's going to happen if something happens. Just be consistent with them. So everything's not a surprise. Um, Yeah, and refrain from anger. Do you know that the anger of God does not bring about the righteous life that God desires? Anger is always a loss. Always wrong. It never brings about... Now, yeah, so just refrain from anger. And don't show favoritism. Like, and that is really hard, you guys. It's really hard not to show favoritism. Because some kids are just... <laughs> your personality is just drawn to them. And they just like... It's really hard. And you know, you just think in your head, I don't have favorites. But... I'm a little closer to some than others, <laughs> you know, just because that's how it is. So just strive not to show favorites, as hard as that is. Just, just a few things. And then I just want to challenge you with this. The best way to love your children, dads, is to love their mother. Man, I, tr- I totally believe that. The best way to love your children is to love their mother. You know, Ephesians 5, we talked about that last week. And isn't that interesting that husbands love your wives is right in front of husbands raise your children, fathers raise your children. Like, what if you did this? What if you loved your wife like this? This is, this is great. Um, verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. What would you be telling your kids what would you be showing your kids if you loved your wife like Christ loved the church? What would you be telling your kids? What would your kids be seeing and understanding about God if you did that? He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. Are you spiritually investing in your wife? Are you the spiritual leader in your home? Man, this speaks to it. Big time. You should be making that woman more godly than she was when you met her. Is that what your kids are seeing? That you're investing spiritually in this woman that you love? Man, this is powerful. And to present herself a radiant church without, um, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives their own bodies. Like, man, you love, you're just so in love with yourself. It's amazing. Guys are so in love with themselves. Oh, man, I'm tired. I'm going to go take a nap. Okay, whatever. <laughs> or uh, I guess got a hard day at work. I'm sitting down and watch TV. Okay, you're in love with yourself. You're in love with yourself. So why don't you say this? I'm so tired. I want to take a nap. Then tell your wife, hey, why don't you go take a nap? Because if I'm tired, I guess I bet you're tired too. Why don't you go take a nap? Just tell her that. And then you, I mean, what if your kids saw that? That my dad cared so much about my mom that he responded to her immediate needs. 
Don't we want, isn't that what God does to us? Well, you guys, what a, marriage is a great way to show your kids what God is like. Look at Marriage isn't about you and your husband. It's about Christ and the church. Like, that's crazy about that. Marriage is about Christ and the church. Yeah, marriage is about Christ and the church. What a great way to disciple your kids. What a great way to teach your kids what God is like in your marriage by just doing these things. This is a profound mystery. <laughs> this is a profound mystery. This is wild and cool. It really is. That you can do that. You can, oh man, I love it. Okay. <clears throat> so bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I just want to read a couple passages. And I'm really, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going over time, but I might not get everything done. But here's Deuteronomy. I got to read these passages though, guys. Deuteronomy 6 or Deuteronomy 4. Let me look. Deuteronomy 4, 9 and 10. Oh, wait, I got it written out here. <laughs> I'm the one that doesn't have to work it out. I told you to look at your Bibles. and oh, Okay, here's Deuteronomy 4. Only be careful for yourself and watch over your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may hear my, they may hear my word so they may learn to fear me all the days of your life, and they may teach their children. Learn to fear me and teach their children. I mean, you got to teach your children. They're not going to pick it up because they, it's in the air. I mean, you can teach your children. You learn. You take care of your spiritual life. You be diligent in your life. And then you teach your children. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Oh, this one's great. Here, Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Man, when you do that, you don't have anything else to love your wife and kids with. That's where you should be. You should be depleted. You should be so in love with God that you have nothing else for anyone else because that's when God can use you. That's when you will be changed. That's when God will work through you. He'll, he'll show you how to really love. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Is the word of God on your heart? Because the word of God on your heart, like all the time, the word of God is on my heart. My kids do something wrong, the word of God is on my heart. When I see my wife, the word of God is on my heart. Everything I do, the word of God is on my heart all the time. That's where the word of God should be. It should be on your heart. Dads, it should be on your heart. That means you got to learn it. you got to know it. you got to memorize it. And then he says, And you shall repeat them diligently, your son, and speak of them when you're in the house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You shall also tie them signs to your hand, and you shall be the frontless on your fridge. You shall also write them in the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And you can just read the rest of that. <laughs> so anyway, that, yeah. Because I want to get a little bit to employees. But here, I just encourage you, Dad, you've got to be spiritual yourself. You've got to know the word, and you've got to let God's word direct everything you do. Everything. The word's on your heart. Everything I do has been directed by Christ when I interact with my children, my wife. Man, lead, obey. What a great opportunity, dads. What a great opportunity and privilege to be a light to your children and to your wife.
And then he talks about um, being wise employees. Wise employees obey their employers. And he says this. He says in Colossians 3 that we're all employed by God. Who's our employer? Who's your employer really? God. Look up Colossians. God is your employer. You work for God. Now, I don't know. You may, you probably work for some company and you have a boss, but you know who you're really working for? You're really working for God. Just think if you weren't working for God. Okay, just say God weren't your boss. So you go to work 40 hours a week. You know, that's 40 hours every week that you're not living for Jesus. That's a big chunk of your week. Well, here's the deal. Every minute of your life is for Jesus. So guess what your job is for Jesus? I don't care what job it is. It's for Jesus. If you're teaching school, you're working for Jesus. If you're working in a factory, you're working for Jesus. If you're driving a truck, you're working for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. You're, import, you're employed by Jesus. God is in all you do. Um, I love this. Slaves obey those who are your human masters and everything, not with eye service, not just as people please. You're not pleasing. Don't go to work and do good just to please your boss. Go to work and do well to please Christ. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Yeah, do it sincerely. I mean, mean it. Don't be putting on a play, an act. Actually mean it. Actually mean it. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, not for people, knowing that it's from the Lord you receive the reward and inheritance. It's the Lord you're going to receive a reward for. I mean, it really, you know that everything you can see and touch is going to burn. Like, wow. If you're only working for your master for temporal rewards, what a waste of a life. Because at the end, it's all going to burn. And you get nothing. Wow. The only inheritance that matters is the one you get from Christ because that's eternal. That's it. That's who you're working for. And you can, you're going to build that inheritance when you're at your job because you're doing it for Christ. And it's what it looks like. It looks like, yeah, you're listening to your boss. You're trying to work hard. You're doing a good job. Absolutely. Luke 17, I love this. Jesus says, now which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him after he comes in from the field, come immediately and recline at the table to eat? On the contrary, will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? No, he didn't thank the slaves. That's your job, for heaven's sake. Do it. Do it. Not for thanks, because it's your job. So you too, when you do all things, you're commanded. You just say, we're unworthy slaves. We've done only what we ought to do. Like, how many get stuck on, like, oh, the boss didn't tell me thank you. I didn't get my raise. Like, it's your job. Do your job. Are you doing it to get a thank you, or are you doing it to please Christ? Man, do it to please Christ. That's your boss. And then whatever you do, do it because I'm pleasing Christ. I'm doing it for Christ. Or am I just looking for a thank you? Man, it's hard to go through life 
and feel energized and excited if you're waiting for thank yous. <laughs> you're going to get crushed because you're never going to get enough of them. <laughs> you're dead meat. Like, don't do it. Do it for Christ because he's called you to do it. I'm not doing it for, to get a thank you. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Doing it because it pleases Jesus. That's why I'm doing it. <clears throat> oh, Proverbs 6. That's one of my favorites. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food for harvest. Man, go to the ant. Get to work. And you don't always need someone to tell you what to do. Just get to work and just do it. We're called to work hard. And we should be self-motivated. We should, we should work. Employees, work. You're working for God. The real reward comes from God. That's what we should be working for. And even, you guys, this is a cool thing about God. Your job can bring you eternal reward. Is that great? Your physical job can bring you eternal reward when you do it for Christ. That is a great that is wonderful. We spend our whole lives serving Jesus. Every minute of your day, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Our whole day, every minute, we, we can live for Christ. And he will reward us. Like, that's crazy, but that's wonderful. And then uh, wise employers treat their workers well, right? Masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he was both their master and yours is in heaven. And, you know, we just remember, bosses just remember, you know what, I got a master too. And if my employees are accountable to me, guess what, I'm accountable to my master. <laughs> so the way I, I better just, like, remember that. And the worst thing is, <clears throat> if you're the boss, you don't see everything people do. But your master sure sees everything you do. <laughs> you don't do anything that God doesn't see. I mean, it's going to be worse for you than it is for your guys because you don't really know. But God knows. So he says, just do this. Stop threatening. Work, work hard for it. Remember who, where your reward comes from. Um, <clears throat> so do the same thing. Do the will of God for the good of them from a pure and willing heart. That's what you're doing. You're doing the will of God. This is my job. This is, I'm the boss. This is what God's led me to. I'm going to do it for the good of others. Hey, you know what? Here's what I can do with my, my business. I can help people make money. I can teach them what work looks like. I can minister to them spiritually. Wow. What a great opportunity for the good of others. Do it for good of others from a pure and willing heart. Man, there's nothing better than that. Really, there's nothing better than that. Nothing. Don't threaten and don't show partiality. <clears throat> you know, we all work for the same boss. That's really sort of cool. We all work for the same boss. They're really working for God too. And you're working for God. All working for the same boss. Wow, look at that. 1130 on the dot. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so I just want to conclude with this verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is 
<clears throat> oh wait, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's wisdom. Godly wisdom. Be wise. Live a life of obedience. All, your whole life is for the glory of Christ, and he will reward you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time in your word. We're grateful for your word. Uh, God, just thank you for who you are and all you've done for us. And God, just pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to walk in obedience to you. Um, again, we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.